I want to share with you this morning about a church that is filled with the Holy Spirit. Because a church that is empowered by the Holy Spirit will by definition be a church that is filled with the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 2 and the first two verses, this is what we read. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was the sound from heaven like a roaring mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared to settle on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Spirit gave them this ability. You might have noticed in those couple of verses that the word filled occurs on two occasions. First of all, it talks about it, um, the windstorm or the mighty rushing wind that filled the house. And then it spoke about all of the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, the two different Greek words are used there. The first word filled um, is used to fill a space, like to fill a, a ship with cargo. The second word filled is to literally fill something like a sponge. Do you remember when Jesus was crucified and he cried out, I thirst? In Matthew 27, it tells us that somebody got a sponge and filled it with vinegar and held it up to him to quench his thirst. I cannot believe that vinegar will ever quench thirst, but maybe it would ease pain. That word filled literally means to saturate. And so when this mighty wind blew into the house where they were, it filled the room. But then the power of the Holy Spirit came upon those disciples and literally saturated them with his presence and with his power. Now, when we are saved, born again, converted, uh, however you like to describe it, it is a work of the Holy Spirit. My favorite verse in the Bible is Romans 8, 11, which says, if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he will give life to your mortal body. Jesus, in speaking with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he spoke about being born of the spirit. So when we are saved, when we come to faith, when we invite Jesus into our lives, it is a work of the Holy Spirit that regenerates us and causes us to be born again. But being filled with the Holy Spirit or baptized in the Holy Spirit, this is a subsequent experience to conversion. It doesn't need to be, but more often than not, it seems as if this is a secondary subsequent experience when you look in the Bible. And Jesus spoke of a time when the Holy Spirit would come in power. In John chapter 14, verse 15 to 17, he says, If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. 
who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later he will be in you. Notice the distinction there. He lives with you now, but later he will be in you. Um, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Um, I once heard Nicky Gumbel explain it a little bit like this. All of us have a boiler in our house. And if you look at Phil and Pam's room, you will see the boiler, I think, right in the back corner. It looks like a big boiler. Am I right? Oh, I'm wrong. <laughs> I was looking at that big white box on the wall. Anyway, most of us know what a boiler is like. And a boiler has a pilot light that burns all the time, unless you've got one of these super fancy electronic ones. But generally, there's a little pilot light that's constantly burning. Then when the heating comes on or you need hot water, the pilot light ignites the big flame that then heats the water. And Nicky Gumbel once said that the pilot light is like the Holy Spirit coming into us at conversion. He comes and presences himself within us the moment we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But then when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, it's like the big flame woof, that ignites and he says, that that's like that superpower that is there to heat the water. And he used that kind of illustration to explain how the Holy Spirit is in us in accepting Christ as Savior, but then in the baptism or receiving the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So the question for this morning is how do we become filled with the Holy Spirit? And in Luke chapter 11, that was just read to us, I want to reflect on what Jesus was teaching there. The first thing that we learn from what Jesus is teaching there, you become filled with the Holy Spirit by asking. Because in Luke chapter 11, Jesus is initially teaching about prayer. In fact, all the verses that were read to us were really within the context of prayer. And he shows us that prayer has a number of aspects. There is thanksgiving. There is agreeing, there is forgiving. You will know the Lord's Prayer very well. And there are these different aspects of prayer that there is worship, there is petitioning, there's asking, there's protecting. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So there are many aspects to prayer that Jesus is drawing out in his teaching here. But here in particular, Jesus is focusing on the asking aspect of prayer. And he uses the story or the parable of the unexpected visitor who came to somebody one night. And this guy is terribly embarrassed because he's got no food to offer him. And there wasn't a 24 hour Tesco around the corner that he could pop to. Now, in those days, hospitality was very big in Jewish culture, because if somebody knocked on your door, then it was the most important thing to invite them. If you wanted somewhere to stay at night, then you just stood in the town square and somebody would come and invite you. Jewish hospitality was such that they invited people to meals and to stay, even if they were total strangers. So this man goes to his neighbor, he knocks him up and asks for him to 
give food. This wasn't impolite. This would have been something that would have been perfectly acceptable. And for his neighbor to ignore this man's request would have seriously damaged his reputation in the community. So eventually he gets up, he comes down because the man keeps on asking and he gives him some food so that he can feed this visitor. Visitor. Four principles that we learn here. Number one, there is no time when God is closed for business. And it says in Psalm 94, is he deaf, the one who made your ears? He knows everything. There is never a time when God is closed for business. Second principle, there is never a time when it is inconvenient for God. This man who was being knocked up, initially it was inconvenient. He says, I'm in bed with my wife and my family. I'm not going to come down and open the door to you at midnight. It was inconvenient. We need to understand that so far as God is concerned, there is never an inconvenient time for us to come to him in prayer, to ask him and to seek him. Third principle that we understand here is that Jesus reminds us that the father heart of God is that he is more willing to give the Holy Spirit to them that ask. There is a willingness, there is a generosity, there is an overflowing of kindness in the heart of God where he is willing to give to us. And then the portable is how we ask is, of course, very important. James tells us, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For if a person has divided loyalties, they are like an unsettled wave on the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. And then Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, eagerly desire the best gifts. So the first thing that Jesus is teaching us here, that if we want the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we must ask God for it. Second thing that Jesus teaches us out of this story is the importance of being persistent. We receive the Holy Spirit by persisting. Now, this man was persistent in knocking on his neighbor's door. It was imperative that his need was met. It was incredibly important that he showed hospitality to this unexpected visitor, and he wasn't going to take no for an answer. Now, we mustn't get the impression here that, that God is uh, begrudging, unwilling, and uh, feels bothered by us when we keep persisting and keep asking. Thinking We mustn't think that God is tight-fisted or begrudging and not pleased to give us. In fact, Jesus makes it very clear that if earthly sinful parents know how to give their children good gifts, how much more generous will our Heavenly Father be towards his children? However, why is it that Jesus says that God will give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? Why doesn't Jesus say that God will give healing or finance or clothing to them that ask? Why does Jesus specifically say here that God will give 
the Holy Spirit. Well, I believe that Jesus wants us to understand that the Holy Spirit is not given cheaply. The Holy Spirit is not given without an earnest desire, a sinful desire to seek after him, to have a passion to desire him. Because the Holy Spirit is not some practical or physical object. He is the very power and presence of God himself. This little word, ask, in the Greek language, in the grammatical context, it's in what's called the present participle, which literally means it's a continuous, repeated action. This is not a one-off action. This is why Paul says in uh, the, one of his epistles, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That literally is in the Greek, be being filled, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, all of us need to continually be asking God to fill us with his Holy Spirit. Do you remember Jacob, that twister, that deceiver, the one who robbed his brother of his birthright and in so many ways there came that moment when he was about to meet his brother again. And the last time he heard from his brother was this. His brother said, if I see you again, I will kill you. And Jacob had been on the run for years and years and years. And the night before he meets with his brother Esau in, a, in an attempt of reconciliation, he wrestles with God. And if you know the story where God wrestles with him and as daylight comes, God says, let me go. And Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. He clung on and God blessed him by changing him, changing his character, changing his nature. He becomes Israel and becomes the man who becomes the father of a great nation. You see, the Holy Spirit is never given cheaply. There is a persisting, there is a longing, there is a thirsting, there is a hungering that God looks for in each of us when we desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the third thing that Jesus points out here, of course, is we need to receive the Holy Spirit. Ask, persist, but receive the Holy Spirit. God is actually more willing to give than we realize. And Jesus said, Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. For everyone who asks, receives. I want to say this morning as we come to a close here, don't treat the Holy Spirit as an unwanted Christmas gift. I guess we've all had unwanted Christmas gifts. We've all had those times where we thought, well, I don't really need this. I don't really want this. And some people go through life, they're Christians, wonderful people, but they don't think they need the fullness of God's Holy Spirit. Jesus told the disciples they needed the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses, and we do. Listen to what the Bible says about Jesus himself. Mark tells us at the baptism of Jesus, as Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending upon him like a dove. And then Luke tells us, after Jesus has spent 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by the devil, Luke tells us when he came out of those 40 days, Jesus returned to Galilee 
filled with the Holy Spirit's power. And reports about him spread quickly throughout the region. And then Peter tells us in Acts 10 concerning Jesus, he says this, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So we see in those few verses that Jesus had the Holy Spirit upon him, the Holy Spirit filled him, and the Holy Spirit anointed him. If Jesus in his humanity needed the fullness of the Holy Spirit, how much more do we need that same fullness? And Jesus wants us to understand that we have a God who is willing and ready to give and he just desires that we are hungry and thirsty and that we ask for him to fill us.